Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Scripture that if you've sat under Bishop's pastorate particularly uh, for any length of time, you should be able to quote this. Um, Hebrews 10, we are in Connect Series Part 3, the final. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Y'all didn't say it. Well, we'll read on. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. I give honor to Bishop, give honor to my pastor tonight. I don't know what I would do without them. Amen. Amen. Love and appreciate them so very much. Give honor to the Malones tonight, our youth pastors. Appreciate them. I want to give honor tonight real quickly to my wife and to my son. Uh, I I could not make it through this life without them. Uh, They are God's plan for my life. That is for certain. And I love and appreciate them for putting up with me because I know that's got to be a full-time job. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, the Bible says, as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Somebody look at your neighbor tonight and tell them it's important to be in the house of God. Amen. You may be seated. Lord bless you. We are talking about connecting. In part number one, we laid the foundation of connecting with God. For no matter what we connect with, if we don't have God as our centerpiece, and as our focal point, everything else we do is, is irrelevant. In part number two, we talked about connecting with each other. And I remember distinctly we closed that service with an invitation that if there was a, an ism or a schism between you and someone else, that you would go to them and make that right. Because that is paramount to our success in our walk with God, that is being able to walk with our fellow man and make our way through disagreements and hard times together. Tonight, in part number three, I want to close this series with the help of the Lord on connecting to the church. Before we move forward, I want to once again read, as I have done two previous times, I want to read the textbook definition of the word connect, just to provide as a focal point for our line of thinking as we move forward through this message this evening. The word connect is defined as several things, and they are, number one, to join, link, or fasten together. Number two, to establish communication between. Number three, to have as an accompanying feature. Number four, to cause to be associated as in a personal or business relationship. And number five is to associate mentally or physically. And last, number six, is to link to an electrical or communication system 
to hook something up, to connect it. In discussing this evening the, the third part of this series, and that is the church, I, I want to start by offering this, uh, this concept tonight, and that is the church is two things. The church is the body of Christ. It is the body of believers. It is the people. It is you and it is me. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, it's you. Now look at yourself and say, it's me. And it is also the building. It is also the church. It is also the location. It is also for us in our life here in this community. It is 1121 Cedar Street. First Apostolic Church, somebody say amen. In the Bible, the Old Testament tabernacle, it was to be mobile. In following after God, the congregation of Israel would take notice of the pillar of cloud that would be present by day and the pillar of fire that would be present by night, both of which were indicators of the tabernacle placement and the Bible lets us know that when these pillars would move, that the people of the congregation of Israel were to move with it. The first actual temple that was built was built in the year 960 B.C. by King Solomon. After his father, King David, had conquered Jerusalem and made it the capital of Israel in the year 1000 B.C. This temple was destroyed several years later in 586 B.C. by King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, when he conquered Jerusalem. The land on which the temple was built had been acquired by King David. The land that David chose for this spectacular site was a threshing floor that was associated with Moriah, which was the location where Abraham had taken his son Isaac for a sacrifice. How many remember the story of Isaac and the story of Abraham and how God provided a lamb in the thicket that God provided a sacrifice? I just read a few days ago that in Jewish tradition, I offer this tonight only for your consideration, but that in Jewish tradition that when Isaac was told by his father, Abraham, let's go and walk with me, son. And that Isaac possibly, you know, we know as we read the story in the Old Testament, we can kind of gather through the dramatic events that Isaac may not know exactly what's going on. He may not know exactly where he's headed. We just know that he has faith in the voice of his father. And that he's willing to follow him. And that he's willing to obey him. But I read just a few days ago that in the Jewish tradition, it is told that Isaac in this period of life was not a little boy as we tell it in Sunday school. That Isaac was possibly, according to their traditional writings in the Midrash, that Isaac was 37 years old. Now I want that to sink in for just a moment tonight because we are guilty as adults in this life. I have been guilty, especially whenever I was wanting to uh, really and truly represent my adulthood. Especially whenever I was getting to the time and the season of life where that I thought 
No one else had a right to tell me what to do. We are all guilty. I'm sure if we were to poll this congregation tonight, we have all been guilty of reaching a point of feeling like we are too old to have someone tell us what to do. We are too old and we're too mature and I know too much for you to be telling me what to do. But ladies and gentlemen, if this tradition holds true tonight, this is an indicator to us that we are never too old to submit. We are, we are never too old to have a voice of authority in our life that tells us what we should do, that tells us what we need to be doing. Let me parallel this for a commercial break just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, you need a pastor in your life. You need a man of God in your life. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your maturity level is. I don't care what you think of yourself tonight. You need a man of God in your life that will tell you right and will tell you wrong and will help straighten you your path we need not fall into the trap of, of, of natural arrogance so deep tonight ladies and gentlemen that we ignore the voice of a man of God in the house of God when he tells us right from wrong you're never too old the tradition quotes Isaac as saying to his father father bind me tight that I might not tremble I can, I can just play the, the dramatic events over in my mind. And I see him. And I see him making these words. And I see him as a 37-year-old man. Hair on his arms. Maybe a little hair on his face. Some, some bass to his voice. But a submissiveness in his spirit. Saying, Dad, I want, you to tie, I want you to tie me tight. Because if we're really going through with this, I don't want to succumb to the temptation to lay off of this table when the knife drops. Which tells me tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to have a relationship with God that is so tight and so close that I need to be bound to Him so tight that in times of temptation, I am closer to Him than I am to the temptation. That I am closer to Him than I am the rebellion. That I am closer to Him than a lack of submissiveness in my life. I need to be closer to Jesus than I am my flesh. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. The second temple was built in 516 B.C. and destroyed in 70 A.D. No visitor to Jerusalem can escape hearing references to the first and second temple periods. Been there had the tours, heard the references personally. They, they refer to historical time periods where two distinct massive Jewish temples stood approximately where the Al-Aqsa Mosque or the Dome of the Rock stands today. Both temples were destroyed and the main remnant is the outer western wall of the second temple, the courtyard where people now flock from all over the world and they come there to pray and it's known as the Western Wall. It's known as, in Hebrew, the Hakotel. It's known by some the Wailing Wall because of the, the, the tears of the prayers that you hear going on there. I have been there personally. 
I, I recommend, I realize there's some of you have no interest in, 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 in travel, and some of you have no interest in going to that country. Let me tell you something, there is nothing like looking at a piece of brick that, the, that when the tour guide starts unfolding the story, you already know what the story is. But it starts putting truth together. And it starts bringing reality together of, wow, that piece of stone went, was, was there when Solomon was here. That starts bringing to life, ladies and gentlemen, these aren't just Sunday school stories. I'll be honest with you tonight. I've grown up in an apostolic church, cut my teeth on guitar cases and drumsticks. I, this is all I've ever known. But I never really felt the full, uh, and maybe this, maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, I don't know, uh, confessing something here, but I never felt the full true connection of what we have in the Word of God till I saw it for myself. There was something revealing about seeing something that was so old and so real that connected to everything I was told by a Sunday school teacher at the age of five. Let me tell you something, Sunday school teachers, you are part of the church. And do not forsake for a moment the importance and the relevance of what you're doing on a Sunday morning, Sunday in, Sunday out basis, week after week after week. It's important. And I can still hear Sister Juanita Todd talking to me about Jesus and talking to me about how much he loved me. And I can still remember as a five-year-old pastor's boy listening to that woman speak about the Word of God. And as I stood on that ancient soil all of those memories started flooding back to me and I started realizing ladies and gentlemen that the people that work in this church don't you dare forget and don't you forsake the idea that there's relevance to everything you do it's easy trust me I've been there I know it's easy when you're doing the same thing week in and week out to start questioning what's the point why am I doing this? It's easy as a Sunday school teacher. It's, it's easy to look at students and say, why am I wasting my breath when they don't even have parents to come to church and the odds and statistics are stacked against them that they're going to leave here whenever they're old enough and they're not going to be picked up by a Sunday school van. They're not going to be taught in a Sunday school environment. They're going to go on and they're going to go on about their merry way and they're going to do what they want to do. And that may be true. But somewhere in a bar room, some old drunk's going to start reminiscing about a song that he heard years ago as a child in Sunday school. And those kids that you're teaching that may not come to church after they turn 18, those kids that you're teaching in Sunday school that may, may act like they could care less today, they're going to start remembering. I remember Sister Rhonda McGee talking about that. I remember Sister Sheila McGee talking about that. I remember the super church staff telling a story about that. I remember certain things at First Apostolic Church that go in line with that. Hey, I know what you're talking about. And there's memories that will be stirred by them all because of the church. A sincere survey of the scripture tonight will easily reveal that God has since the great exodus of his people had intentions that his people would gather together in community for spiritual worship. There is no Bible 
And I realize I'm preaching to the choir by making this statement tonight. But if you happen to listen to this by podcast at a later date, let me tell you sincerely and truthfully tonight that there is no Bible that supports the ideology that you can stay home, build a relationship with God, and still be saved. You need a house of God. You need a man of God. You need need a temple of God. You need a place of worship. Hebrews 10.25, we read it already once tonight. We'll read it again. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Psalms 122 and verse number 1, David shouted it out and he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If if God did not intend on there being a physical house, then he would have never talked about a physical house. He wouldn't have built a physical house. House in this verse of scripture that David is referring to in the original Hebrew text is the word bite. Not bite, but bite. Don't want to make anybody hungry tonight. Which means house. Plain and simple. Somebody say amen. amen. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 42. And daily in the temple and in every house. Somebody say house. They cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. House in this verse of scripture comes from the Greek. I do not take Greek. I have no interest in learning Greek. I've got enough languages in my head as it is. I think it's pronounced oikos. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You can say God bless you and we'll dismiss and go home. But it means a dwelling place. That's the important thing. In the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle, then the temple. In the New Testament, they met in houses and then in church buildings. The phrase, house of God, is found in the Bible 90 times in 87 different verses, most of them in the Old Testament. The word church is found in the Bible 80 times in 79 different verses, all in the New Testament. John chapter 7 and verse 14 declares... Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Even Jesus went to church. Amen. We see this in several scriptures. John 5, 14, John 8 and 2, John 18 and 20, Matthew 21 and 12, and in Luke 19 and 47. For literally thousands of years, God has established the importance of the church. And this is done in two separate approaches. I mentioned this just a tad bit earlier. And that is that the church are the people. And the church is also the building that is set up for people to assemble in and to worship. But there are many obstacles that get in our way. There are many things that we have to go through that, that, that really try to prohibit us and hinder us from making our way to the house of God. Some of the things that get in our way. Now, I I realize, and and I have to say this little small commercial break tonight, I realize that there are legitimate things. There are things that happen. I realize that there are jobs that suddenly require people to work over 
been there. I understand that. I realize there are times that just out of nowhere a sickness can besiege you. I get that. I know that. What I am preaching about tonight are the obstacles that would get in our way that try to establish a pattern in our life. It's not the things that happen that are justifiable. It's not the things that happen in our lives that really just uh, we just cannot avoid. It's the things that get in our lives that we allow ourselves an entrapment to and it becomes a pattern of behavior and it becomes a lifestyle for us. And those things, some of those things that get in our way are family, friends, job. Not everything that goes on a job is necessary. There is such a thing as volunteering. We'll talk about volunteering a little bit later. I just want to make sure we're volunteering for the right thing. Sinful temptations. They'll separate you from church because you feel condemnation and guilt to go to church if you're involved in a temptation or if you're involved in a sin. To be connected to the church, I need to be, listen to this now, I need to be both part of the body of Christ and part of the life of the church. Let me say it again, just because it felt good. I need to be both part of the body of Christ and I need to be part of the life of the church that is in present company in the church building. Let me declare unto you something tonight, and I say this carefully and sincerely. You will not be part of the body of Christ very long if you are not part of the building. There are obstacles that get in our way should we allow them to. There are separators that try to separate us. You and I, we need to make up our mind tonight that nothing is going to separate us from the church. Look at your neighbor tonight, give him a high five and tell him I'm staying with the church. We need a mindset tonight. And it is an intentional mindset. Bishop, the desire to come to the house of God does not happen accidentally. I think that may be why David jumped up and he said a declaration that I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The truth of the matter may have been, he may not have been glad in his flesh. He may have been trying to psychologically get himself ready. He may have been trying to prep his family for the fact it's temple time. It's worship time. It's song time. It's word of God time. I have to be intentional in my walk with God to make sure that I've got the right mindset that I want to be in the house of God. If you will make up your mind tonight that you want to serve God, it will take more than a devil to get you out of the house of God. There may be things wrong in this house. There may not be everything quite right. Every T may not be crossed and every I might not be dotted to your specifications. But let me tell you something. When we get in here and we lay all that aside and we begin to worship God and the presence of God falls, that's why we are here. 
I'm not here because of my disagreement with you. I'm not here to see what you're wearing and what you're not. I'm not here to see if you're mad at your husband. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to develop a lifestyle of worship in my own life. I need help. I need God. And I need to connect with the church every time I can. I'm staying with the church. There may be abnormalities. Let me tell you something. You need to be careful. You need to be careful looking at Facebook Live at other churches. Follow me now. You need to be careful drooling over what they've got to offer when you're not offering anything to your local church. If we're going to talk about connecting, we've got to talk about the things that may potentially anger us. And that is, if you're not connecting, don't drool over those who do. Connect in your church. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm staying with the church tonight. I'm not worried about pollsters and surveys. I'm not worried about people's opinions and ideas. I'm staying with the church. The church is what saw me get saved. The church has been there through joblessness. The church has been there for me when I couldn't pay my bills. The church has been there for me when I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. The church has been there for me when nothing else was there for me. The church has been there for me whenever I needed something. It's been there for me when I didn't even know what I needed. I'm telling you tonight, I want to connect with the church. And I want to stay in the church because there's salvation in the church. There's a saving in the church. There's my life's blood in the church. The protection of my tomorrow is in the church. I'm here tonight in the house of God and I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. But I know I am protected because of the church. Oh, somebody wave your hands at the Lord tonight. Thank Him for the church. There are benefits to staying in the church. There's damage to be suffered by leaving the church. Now, I make this next statement carefully. It's not in my notes. I feel, I feel, I feel an inspiration of God to, to say this because it's not in my notes. I, I, I didn't think of it. I didn't plan it. I didn't, it's not preordained by my brain. But let me tell you something. If you're doing something in the church right now and you are tempted to walk away from it, you need to think again. Now, if you're doing 15 things and we're growing and we're getting more people involved and you're starting to let go of a few things just to, to get some balance of life back, that's a whole, a whole different story. That's a different discussion. And, and that's a good discussion to be having. But if you're doing something in the kingdom of God and you're just tempted to walk away from it because you're frustrated and, and, and you're tired of being ridiculed and you're tired of being vulnerable to people being upset with you or what, whatever the reason is. L let me caution you tonight. There is damage to be done. There's damage awaiting you if you walk away from what you're doing. 
Because there are a few times, there are a few times in life that I have ever seen somebody approach a pastor and say, Pastor, I know I'm doing X, Y, Z right now, but I just don't want to do it anymore. And that they take their seat and they stop doing that. There are a few times that I have seen people do that. I can count them on one hand. There are a few times I've seen people do that, that they progress spiritually. Now that's a lot, a lot of the times that's the excuse. I, I need to focus spiritually. I, 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 need, I, need to, I need to, no, no, that's not what you need. You need to keep yourself busy in the house of God. You need to keep yourself connected to the word of God. You need to keep yourself connected to the church. Because that's where my saving's at. There are times in my walk with God that I have been frustrated, I have been tired, and yes, I wanted to absolutely just quit. And my saving was in my doing. I look it over my shoulder tonight. If I had quit every time I wanted to, I wouldn't be here tonight. Because I know my fleshly motive. I know, Pastor, the times that I was frustrated and I wanted to quit an XYZ position that in, in my heart of hearts, my black heart, my heart that's not so good without God, that my motive wasn't just to quit that position. I wanted to walk away from it all. But my saving was in doing. One foot in front of the other. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it requires perseverance. No, it's not easy. But your saving is in your doing. We need to connect with the church tonight. Here's a problem. It's not the problem because there's more than one. But here is a problem that we face in today's society. We are facing an epidemic of unfaithfulness to the house of God. And we need to develop a clear understanding today that whether or not your children have a love for God and, a, and, and, and attend church when they get older is a heart issue today. I want to do a little bit of parenting right now because I am one and I feel like I've got a right to say this and I feel like I'm in the book tonight. But parents, whether or not, I know they can grow up and make their own decision. I, I get that. But we are in the process of molding future decisions in our children today. And the actions that you take as parents today, if there is a heart issue in your life, and you are not connected with the church, don't think your kids don't see that. Our actions have consequences that will be witnessed in the next generation's behavior toward the church. Maybe, just maybe tonight, humor me for just a moment, just maybe the reason why our children, some of our children have little love for Christ is due for the, to the fact that more and more parents are not showing any love or passion in their relationship for Jesus Christ. Evidenced by how we prioritize our time on Sundays and midweek services. Children know. They don't have to talk about it. They don't have to tell you they know. They know. When television, sports, school, hobbies, and even family itself are elevated to a place of importance above the church, it becomes idolatry. Well, it got quiet. 
when it replaces vital Christian responsibilities, then we're telling our church, we're, we're telling our children, without ever saying a word, we're telling our children that the church and God are secondary to things that I like. You'll never get your children to connect with the church if you don't first connect. And a husband who won't connect won't get a wife to connect. Come on, men. We need to stand up and be godly men. We need to be men who aren't afraid to worship. Well, I felt my help come right there. We need to be men who aren't afraid to lift hands and and weep some tears and, and say some prayers and get up and say, all right, family, it's time to connect to the house of God. I love my wife and yes she's more sensitive than I am and yeah as a sensitive woman and as a feeler she can probably get emotionally connected to God a little bit faster than I can but let me tell you something I don't need nor do I want my wife leading me spiritually. It's not the word of God. It's not the plan of God. It's not the design of God. I need to be a man. I need to stand up and be a godly man in my home and understand that if I'm going to connect to the church, I've got to first lead my wife, my son, my daughter, my family. Now, when I said my daughter, that was just a figurative reference, I hope. I didn't want anybody to get confused. There, there's nothing happening here. I think I just felt the Holy Ghost. But if we are not careful through our lack of connecting to the church, we are telling our children it's not necessary to take up their cross and follow Him. We are telling our children it's okay to only have a love and passion for God when it's convenient. We are telling our children that it's okay to sacrifice time with the Savior if something more fun comes up. You skip a church service because there's a certain something that lands on that service and you want to do that instead of coming to the house of God, shame on you. We need to connect. If you're skipping church to do things as a family, hello? Don't don't lose me now. Instead of coming to church as a family, I'm not talking about vacation. I'm not talking about the time that everybody needs to, to reconnect. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking pattern of living. I'm talking lifestyle. And when your lifestyle bears out that there's certain things more important to you than the house of God, that's a problem! And it's a problem that can only be addressed through the preached word of God. We need a man of God to declare that you need to be in the house of God. If you do that instead of coming to church as a family, and if that's your lifestyle and that's your thinking, you are bordering on apostasy. In case you've forgotten what the word apostasy means, I'll help you out just a little bit. It's defined as a total desertion or departure from one's religion, principles, or cause. You say, oh, well, Brother Mason, I would never do that. I'm just skipping one service to do something special with my kids. 
Let me tell you something, Spirit of Eve. You don't get the luxury to decide what's going to happen after you taste the fruit. One can evaluate their heart's condition by observing their choices. Is church a priority for you? Do you prioritize worship when it's not convenient? I can tell you tonight, confidently, that while my expectations might be high, my expectations are no higher than what I do for myself. If they were, I'd be hypocritical for saying what I'm saying. I, I am not seeking a pat on the back. I am just drawing a comparison for you so that you know that I am clearly trying my best to live what I'm preaching. There have been times I have traveled and come off the plane. One particular time stands out. I had just landed off the plane from Japan been on a business trip for several days landed in Evansville I believe it was around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, by the time I got my luggage and got home it was, it was 5 o'clock or after and it was on a Tuesday night Bishop we were in church number 2 we had Tuesday evening service and the internationally renowned great evangelist Jeremy Lang was preaching that night I was torn it's like man I want to hear I want to hear Brother Lang I don't want to go to church. I'd been up for 30 plus hours. I stank. At least I thought I did. It smelled like plain sweat. <laughs> if you don't know what plain sweat is, see me after church. I'll explain it to you. I was tired. This is why you need a good spouse. Well, I thought I'd get all kinds of amens on that statement. Because my wife said, I don't remember the exact words she said to me was, but it was along the lines of, it's all right, I'll drive. You can sleep on the way there. You can sleep on the way home. We'll get you in bed after church. In that moment, I needed that. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't. But I listened. And you know what we did? We came to church, led worship, Vocal cords have been up for 30 plus hours. I'm sure it wasn't pretty. Worship God. I don't remember how I stayed awake, but somehow it happened. Preaching was good. Church was good. Went home, went to sleep. After a shower. Had to get rid of the plane sweat. What are you saying? I'm saying if you make skipping church an open door alternative in your life then every time something gets difficult for you you won't come to church but if you will purpose in your mind no matter how inconvenient it is that it's not about the one time occasion it's about the pattern that I'm establishing in my walk with God and if I want God to be consistent with me I need to return some consistency to Him I should not expect I should not be expecting God to give me what I'm not willing to give Him. 
Now allow me to say tonight delicately, sincerely, and as easy as I can, no matter how harsh it's going to sound like, sometimes we just need to grow up. Amen. I'm going to move on here in a moment. All of these things are connected to connecting to the church. Because they're, they're, they're detractors. That's kind of been the theme of, of this three-piece series of, of, of talking about the things that we need to do, but also identifying the things that try to keep us from doing them. Let me give you a note, parents. I'm going to do just a little bit more parenting here. You get mad, you can just pray for me. But your child should not be number one in your life. You are not, nor should you be, their best friend. Hello? That's not God's Bible design. God's design for the family is not that you be the best friend of your offspring. Now when they're 30 years old and got their own kids and they're seeking advice and you want to be friends, that's your business. But whenever they're they're toddler age... Grade school age, high school age, maybe even college age occasionally, whenever they are still in your <laughs> when they are still in your house. The family model of God is God, spouse, children. Amen. And if you're putting your children or your child before your spouse, you're out of the will of God. I I know that's strong as a T-bone steak tonight, but it's still true. What does that have to do with connecting? Let me tell you what that has to do with connecting to the church. Because how you parent will affect your standing in the church. Here's how. Because children don't always want to do what's right. I don't know why, but it's it's just something that's born in them. I blame Adam and Eve. I don't know who else to blame. And you know, we always want to look for someone to blame. I don't know why. But children, let me, let me tell you why children should not be your idol and why they should not be above your spouse. Because they don't always know what's right. And just because your child, and you know, this goes for you grandparents too. Grandparents irritate me. I love y'all. Y'all can just close your ears for the next few minutes. Just because they want to do something doesn't mean they need to. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not they get chocolate chip cookies. I'm not talking about whether or not you follow their parents' dietary guidelines or their bedtime guide. I'm not talking about that kind of mess. I can care less. We reprogrammed that boy more times than what I can count. And yeah, I was irritated too. I'm really glad that chapter's closed. How you parent will determine your standing in the church. Because if your child doesn't want to come to church and you're accustomed to listening to everything they have to say, then you're skipping church just because they didn't feel like it. You are walking on dangerous ground. Because children need to be guided. 
They need to be instructed. They need to hear. I don't care what Dr. Spock said. They need to hear when they're wrong. All right, parenting 101 is over. But it's important to the lifeblood of the church because the church is made up of families. And families are made up of parents and children in most cases. So it's important. It's relevant. There are benefits. I'm closing. I've went, I've went, I'm not, I'm not at my maximum yet, but I went a little bit longer than what I planned on going, so we're going to land the plane here, all right? So y'all, y'all get ready. But there are benefits. I want to close with this tonight. There are benefits to, of going to church. I'm not going to dive into each of these. I'm just going to give you the bullet points because I think they kind of speak for themselves. Benefits of going to church. It connects us with God. It gives us a chance to reflect on gratitude. It connects us socially. It helps us better connect with our spouse. I didn't author these, all right, if that makes you feel any better. These are statistically proven. It, it allows us to feel reverence. It provides opportunities for us to give back. It helps us find the lesson in our trials. It teaches us forgiveness. It fills our heart with a song. And we find deeper meaning in our lives. Somebody say that's good. Benefits of local church membership. Friendships, opportunities to make a difference, accountability, sense of community, personal development, social events. The things we do in this church, we do for this church, and they are important for you to attend. Health benefits. Somebody say health. We need it. Health benefits of church attendance. Better sleep. My wife often wants to know how I can fall asleep so well. It's because I'm saved and I go to church. Better sleep. More stable, happy, and satisfying marriages. We're in mixed company, so I'll just leave that statement there. But statistically, it's been proven to go even a little bit further than that. Longer life. Lower blood pressure. Boosts the immune system. Larger social circle with more kinds of support. Less depression. I didn't say none. Less. Teens statistically do better in school. And people are happier with life overall. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight as I begin to wind this down to a close and connect part three, there are innumerable benefits to connecting with your local church. And if you are not personally happy with what your local church is, man, have I got an opportunity for you. Get involved. Get involved. We've got a lot. There's a lot. Man, there's a lot of things that it takes to make a church go. I don't have the list in front of me. I kind of wish I would have right now. But there's a lot of things that you don't see that take place. And there takes a lot of different people to support that. And every, hear me now, hear me clear. If you didn't hear anything else I said tonight, don't tune me out right now. Every single person and every job that gets done in this church, seen and unseen, is as important as the next. I'll go as far as to tell you as the person who cleans the toilet is just as, person, just as important as the people who lead worship or preach behind this pulpit. Because they're doing that unto God. Stand with me tonight. We need to connect. 
with the church. One closing scripture tonight, Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 15 says, And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his Throughout my lifetime, I have often heard this verse of Scripture associated with uh, people who, who play musical instruments, people who sing, because those are connected with the, the word talent. And if you use what you have, God will give you more and all this stuff. Not knocking any of that. There's relevance to all of that, but that is not where it stops talent in this, in this situation can refer to many things but one thing I don't want to overlook tonight of which that it does represent is each and every one and he gave to every man alright I, I want you to look at that after the semicolon to every man there's a lot of gender-neutral references made in the Bible that are said as the word man. So, the, Ladies, I'm including you too. Gave to every man according to his several ability. I don't know what your ability is. I don't know what God has blessed you with the ability to do or not do. But I do know this, that God, if you are willing to connect to Him and to His church that God will take whatever you have to offer and He will bless it and He will use it for His glory. I don't know what that is. It may be teaching a Sunday school class. It may be helping in super church. It may be vacuuming the carpet. You may have the expertise to help us get these stretch lumps out of the carpet. I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm telling you tonight, I'm going into recruiting mode here for just a moment. We need your help. I've said it before. I'm going to say it one more time, then I'm going to pass this microphone to Pastor after a, small, a short season of worship. But let me tell you something. We don't lack for vision around here. I'm thinking it might be good at some point, uh, and, and I, I haven't discussed this with pastors, so I'm going I'm to tiptoe softly here. But at some point in the new year, maybe we need to have a good vision casting service and just start casting some vision so that you know what kind of vision exists around here. We don't lack for vision. We lack for execution. And the reason we lack for execution is because the people who are involved today can only do so. We need everyone to connect to God and allow Him to give you according to your several ability. Lift your hands with me right now and thank Him. Let's worship Him. I need God to seal this word in my heart right now. Even the tough things that were spoken, God, I need, I need to open up to you in my spirit right now. 
and I, 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 need, I need to be moldable. I need to be pliable. I, I need clay in my life to be softened. I don't want to be hard-hearted against you, God. I, I don't want to be hardened, Lord, against things that I don't understand or things I don't like. But, God, I want to connect with you. I want to connect with your church. And, Lord, I want to lean in, Lord, and I want to support, Lord, in any way that I can. God, working together, knowing that you said in your word that where two or three are gathered together, you would be in the midst of them. And, God, working together, Lord, we can accomplish anything today. Lord, and we love you for it, and we praise you for it, and we bless your name for it. And somebody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. I'm going to hand this off to Pastor now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord and Brother Mason a great hand clap for this Connect series here over the past. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.